the Urban Pharmacy. It's Stacey Heine, your holistic nutritionist and plant-based coach. I really, truly hope that you are having the best day ever. I have a wonderful guest today. Her name is Taylor DeBauer. She is a holistic nutritionist with a master's in health coaching and applied nutrition. She was diagnosed with Lyme disease at the start of her program and was inspired to focus her studies on those with chronic illness and disease. Now, I met Taylor in a raw vegan bundle that she and I did together, and she had a ebook called um, it was all about protein. And basically I wanted to have her on the podcast so that we can kind of demystify protein and help people understand what amino acids are, where you can get protein and to stop, uh, stressing so much over it, because I think that that is actually causing a lot of people stress these days, especially people who are interested in eating more whole food plant-based, which we know you can get plenty of protein on. I mean, look at the people in the blue zones, they're eating 95 or more percent whole plant foods and they're getting all the protein they need and they're living really long. And it's just something that we are overemphasizing these days. And it actually can be kind of harmful for our health, especially if it is um, animal-based proteins that we're consuming excessive amounts of and more. So I just wanted to have Taylor on so that we can chat more about that and help clear, clear things up for you if you feel confused. Taylor DeBoer, welcome to the Urban Pharmacy Podcast. Thanks for having me. Super excited to have you here. You and I met in the ultimate raw vegan bundle that we did several months ago. And um, I just love following you because you and I think so similarly when it comes to nutrition. So um, before we get started, we're going to, and before I just want to let our audience know, we're going to be talking about protein today. And uh, so just get ready. That's what we're talking about. And it's going to be a good, juicy conversation. But before we get into that, Taylor, I want to know about you and how you got into healthy living and having a real passion around nutrition. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, in my junior year of college, I read a book called Unprocessed by Megan Kimball. I don't know if you've heard of that book. Um And she basically documents her journey living an entire year unprocessed. Like if she wanted something, she had to make it from scratch. If she wanted bread, she had to make it from scratch. She had to make the flour. And that was like my first eye opener to being like, wow, everything we eat is so heavily processed and things are added to it. And it's not normal, uh, like in a normal state of what, you know, it's supposed to be or what our bodies are used to eating. And At that time, I had been struggling with an eating disorder for a few years since my dad had passed away. And I kind of just had this wake up moment of like, I can't keep living my life not eating. And I was running like 10 miles a day most days. Um, I would rarely take a rest day, all while eating probably 800 calories or less, um, which is definitely not enough. And um, and I was tired. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, and again, I don't know how I did. I mean, obviously I, I damaged my body and I paid for that later. Um, so I, you know, I saw the book and I was like, that looks interesting. I want to read it. And then I just, it kind of fit. It was like, oh my gosh, yeah, I need to fuel my body and I can do it in a way that is healthy and right. And I don't have to, you know, I can avoid processed things and a lot of junk foods And at that point I was almost done with my bachelor's. I got a bachelor's in psychology. I didn't want to change my major because I was almost done. I didn't want to add on a major. I was like, I'll just finish and then figure out how to get into nutrition after that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I took like a little certification course and I was like, yes, this is what I want to do. um, Like a health coaching certification course. And so then I found a master's program 
um, and decided to get my master's in health coaching and applied nutrition. And then a month before that, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease um, and an autoimmune disorder and a bunch of other stuff, which I'm sure was related to having not been eating very much for that long. That solidified my passion for nutrition. And then when I was in my master's program, I really pushed a lot of my own research in my classes towards healing these things. I wrote a lot of my papers um, about like Lyme disease and autoimmune and just really that's when I started finding studies talking about um, lower fat, for example, for candida, because I also had candida and it was like, oh, you know, like you need to eat more fat, don't eat fruit. And this study was like, oh, you should eat fruit, lower fat intake. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So then I started looking more into fruit and I was like, okay, everything I used to think about fruit was wrong. And that was kind of like, you know, the rest is history at this point. So Yeah. Um, So yeah, my Lyme disease is in remission. I had a terrible skin condition as a result of that as well. So that's gone. And I am, that was all from, you know, finding out that low fat is what helps candida. And that then uncovered a bunch of information by like Dr. Morse and Dr. Graham and so many others um, who talk about, you know, raw foods and lots of it. And again, then monitoring, you know, the fats that you're eating. So, wow. Wow. That is so fascinating. And yeah, it all, it's like, there can be arguments all day in the nutrition space. I think the one thing that everybody in the nutrition space, that's actually like a really good nutrition person, hopefully we can all agree. Well, there's maybe two things, less processed foods and more vegetables. That's actually something that people are really not getting enough of. Yeah. Um, just, you know, even greens, just really greens, yes, you know, green. leafy greens, dark greens. Um, that's like the one thing that, that I feel like a lot of people can agree on. Um, and you're so right. Like, it's funny. I was grinding my own flour this morning. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, I think that when it comes to food, people are so disconnected to well first off how easy it can be just to eat straight from the earth like yes and we don't even have to cook it uh most of the foods unless you're eating like white potato that needs to be cooked but even sweet potato could be eaten raw like melons you know fruit like it's just it is the original fast food it is the perfect fast food and people are really disconnected these days like uh, I don't know if you've seen the new documentary, The Blue Zones. I've watched it. Many, well, I haven't really watched it many times. I've listened to it many, many, many times already now. And, you know, these people are still grinding. You know, they're eating pasta and stuff like that. They're eating carbohydrates, if you will, and slightly processed at that. But they're, you know, they're gardening, they're harvesting, they're grinding, they're taking yeah. the slow route, the yeah. slow food route. And, you know, when we just slow down enough to realize that we're pulling our food out of packages and we're zapping it in the microwave and we're, we're driving through the drive through and getting ultra processed foods, like all the time, like this is not even food. And it really adds on to our dis-ease state. Um, so anyways, I am so thankful that you shared your story. Now, you learned about high carbohydrate living. Can you tell me a little bit about what happened for you when you started eating that way? Like what happened to your body? What happened to your, you know, your mind, your, your clarity? Um, did everything change for you? Was it hard? Did it, you know, did you get bloated? Like, how did that go for you? Was it just easy or 
Yeah, no, it's certainly not easy. Also, because, you know, when I got diagnosed with Lyme, I did the medication route for about 10 months. I was on antibiotics and an antifungal. So my gut health was shot. And um, so I was already experiencing bloating and constipation and tons of other crazy digestive symptoms. Um, And so when I started to switch, it took time for all of that to subside. So there was definitely bloating for, you know, a few months. And everyone's timeline for how certain symptoms will linger is different. Mine was maybe like four months before I really was like, okay, things are calm. And even though things were calm, I mean, after a two week round of antibiotics, it takes your gut two years to heal and get all the bacteria back to where it was. So like, even though, you know, my gut probably isn't still where it used to be prior to the antibiotics today, but again, I'm not necessarily symptomatic, which is great. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, the bloating was there for a while. The other thing that was there that I talked to a lot with my clients is that my blood sugar was very irregular for a while when you raise your carbs Mm -hmm. and lower your fat because you have so much fat in your body, in your bloodstream that the insulin's not able to do its job. And when you're eating pretty high fat for a long time, it takes a while for that all, all to clear out. So as you're increasing your fruit intake or your carb intake, you're going to kind of, you know, have these crashes in blood sugar and people always think, oh, it's because of the fruit. I need to stop eating all the fruit. And it's like, no, your body is just going through a transition. You need to bear with it for a while and it will resolve itself. And sure enough, it did resolve itself, but I would have moments where my blood sugar would get really low. And I'm like, what's going on? Am I like, you know, going to be diabetic, even though rationally I'm like, that's not going to happen, but I have to let this run its course. But of course, in the moment you're like, okay, this is annoying. Maybe it's a little scary. Uh, Um, but yeah, it subsided and, but yeah, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't easy, but once I started feeling relief, that made it easy because it was like, I feel the relief. I want to keep going. I don't want to mm-hmm. go back. And at what point could you, well, maybe you didn't, was there any point in time that you said, gosh, I'm eating a whole bunch of carbohydrates. Should I be monitoring my protein? Yeah. So I was, you know, I am very much into fitness. I was really into fitness prior to my Lyme disease. When I got Lyme, I was still pushing myself to work out, but I was not performing like I wanted to, which was very frustrating for me. Um, And my solution during that time was, well, let's just keep increasing protein. Let's just eat more protein. That'll help my performance. Not that, um, well, you're dealing with a um, inflammatory nervous system disease and that's why you're not performing. Um, But yeah, it, it took a while to let go of the mentality of I need protein to continue to work out because when I started feeling better and I had switched my diet and I'm like, okay, I'm going to work out again. You know, I had, I had a pumpkin seed protein powder and I was like, okay, I will do this. I didn't like it. It didn't even sit well in my stomach. And I was like, let me just see, let me just not worry about that for a while. And, you know, I do know that fruits have amino acids and it was like, let me just lean into that and, and see, I was kind of experimenting on myself. And I also was detoxing pre-workout as well. So that was like a whole other challenge because I was feeling weak from not having the caffeine stimulant to get going. But after about six months of taking out the protein powder, not having pre-workout, I started feeling really strong and I would just get excited for my workouts. I didn't need the stimulant to feel pumped. I was pumped because I couldn't wait to go and you know, do my pull-ups for the day or do squats and, you know, feel how many more reps I could do or how much more weight could I do today. Um, And I started noticing my body leaning out and toning out, which was great because the antibiotics really messed with my weight. So I was frustrated that I like had all this, like, I don't even think it was body fat. It was probably just from my lymphatic system being all messed up and not being able to drain. And, and so all of that started to 
go away. And I was feeling strong and lean. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm sold. I don't need to worry about protein anymore. And I've continued to do more research all about myths around protein and everything. And I try as much as I can to spread and, and show, I don't show a ton of my workouts as I probably should, but I show some here and there. And it's just to show that, yeah, you can, you can build muscle, you can be lean, um, all while eating fruit and not worrying about what your protein intake is each day. Yeah. And gosh, I mean, wow. The world is so obsessed with protein. It is crazy. And I definitely get how, you know, there's people out there helping people eat more protein, getting off of the processed foods, cleaning up their diet. That's good. But there's also some downfalls to excess excessive protein, even if it's plant protein. And we don't need all of the animal protein. We know that if we're eating excessive amounts of animal protein, if any at all, it can be detrimental to our health. So uh, I would love to know some, some foundational things about protein. Like, what is it? And how in the world do we create protein in the body? And where can we find it? Is it everywhere? I mean, it's in fruit. I mean, I want to know from you, you're the protein master. So yes. uh, what does Taylor say about protein? Let's, let's like learn the fundamentals here. Yes. So first of all, the biggest thing, if there's just one thing that you take away from the, today's podcast <laughs> is that protein is, is in fact important. I'm not saying it's not important, but it's so important that nature has put it in every single thing that it grows. And so if you're eating enough food from nature, you're going to get enough protein. It's really that simple. Like you don't need to think that much about it beyond that. Um, you know, there is not a single case of protein deficiency in a person eating adequate, adequate amounts of calories. Mm -hmm. If there, if you have protein deficiency, odds are you're not eating enough food. Um, my mom had had labs done. This was like over a year ago now and her protein was low. And so she was talking to me about it and she's like, yeah, well, I, I eat meat like once a week. Yeah. Otherwise I'm really not. And I'm wondering if I need to increase how much meat I'm eating. And I said, well, what about well, how much are you eating each day? And she's like, well, you know, I try to eat something before I get out of the house and my day gets busy and then I'll have a snack and then I have dinner. I'm like, you're not eating enough food. Like that's yeah. the problem. It has nothing to do with your, your animal protein intake. You're just not nourishing your body enough every day. And so sure enough, she started eating more consistently and it went away. So, um, so if wow. you are struggling with protein deficiency, look at how much you're eating in a day, your body might need more nutrients than what you're providing it for. So. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So, um, what is protein made of? Yeah. So protein is essentially just amino acids. Proteins are chains of amino acids that assemble through bonds, um, called protein linkages. Um, and so in other words, amino acids are molecules that combine to form proteins. Um, so amino acids and proteins are the building blocks of life. And when proteins are digested or broken down, it's the amino acids that are left. So essentially the reason why you consume protein sources is for the amino acids. Um, but again, you can get amino acids in more than just protein sources. So, yeah. And I, I know that, I mean, this might be a question that you don't have an answer to. I've been trying to do some research and it may, to me, 
fruit juice even has protein. It, it has amino acids in it, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Just because you've taken the fiber out. And it's just funny because I, I feel like that should be a study in and all like, yeah, of itself, like people who just want to juice, like, especially with even dark leafy greens and stuff like that, which would yeah. increase the um, amino acid profile and stuff like that. Like people can even get enough protein on juice. Probably. I mean, again, I, I can't, you guys can't quote me on that because there hasn't been a study on it. Right. Um, but amino acids are in all plants, like Taylor said, and it's, it's all there. And even if you take the fiber out, like if you're having digestive distress, like you're still getting those calories, those nutrients, and your body knows what to do with it. And I think something that I want to add on to it, and I'm not sure if you're going to bring this up or not, but this is brought up on like my very first podcast with a guest, like we have amino acid pools in our body, meaning mm-hmm. that like we used to think that we had to eat like rice and beans together to create oh, a yeah. protein, right? <laughs> that was like, well, that was what I learned in my first nutrition class. Um, but the fact of the matter is your body is so smart and it holds on to specific amino acids. And then when the time comes that you add in different amino acids from different foods, they come together and make a complete protein. It's so awesome. So you don't have to combine all these foods together, contrary to what you might have heard, in order to have a balanced meal. Can you talk about that before we go a little bit more into the protein? Like, let's derail. Yeah. Well, and what's what's also super fascinating. So, yes, our bodies are quite smart. They can even... So, you know, we have essential amino acids and non-essential amino acids. Essential amino acids are the ones that we can only get from foods. Our body does not make those. So we think that we have to get them in a food form. Um, Non-essential amino acids are the ones that our body can make on its own just from the nutrients that we are eating. Um, But what's really cool is a study in 2009 found that people who eat um, plant-based diets or vegan diets, basically diets with a lot more fruits and vegetables in it. They, they tend to eat more in pre probiotics as a result of that. Mm-hmm. And so their gut flora is better at being able to make new proteins. So all that bacteria that lives in our gut can make new proteins. And so in other words, our body can make proteins from the food we eat. So it's possible mm-hmm. for people who don't aim to get high protein intake to produce all the protein that their body needs efficiently through a process called colonic reabsorption. And so um, that's cool. So our body can make the proteins and it's even been found that gut bacteria can make essential amino acids, which like I just said, those are the ones that we're supposedly only able to get from food. And so our body is able to make those ones and recirculate them into our system, which is really pretty cool. Um, so there's still a lot that we're learning about protein. Yeah. Even. Our bodies can do quite a lot. And I think too, that's why if you're eating enough, Maybe you're, maybe you're not getting quite enough of a certain essential amino acid, but then your body's like, oh, well, we have enough nutrition here because you're eating enough calories. We can just use that and make that amino acid that we need because it's yeah. a little bit low right now. Um, again, what the body can do is fascinating. Wow. That's so, that's so good. So, and you are one that likes to eat like mono meals. I do too. I mean, if you want to call it that, you can, but like, yeah. I don't know. I also call it just intuitive eating. I listen to my body. Um, I feel free from, from food addiction. Um, I used to suffer from processed food addiction. That is another form, you know, area of nutritional science that hasn't been talked about enough. It's emerging. Um, I used to really seriously think that I had something wrong with me. Like, 
because I would be like thinking about like, if I ate like a package of ho-hos, I'd be like, how can I eat more ho-hos? Like, now, <laughs> like, you know, um, and now it's kind of like the same, it's the same thing. Like I really love food. I love, love, love eating. It's the same with watermelon, but I'm like, just let me eat as much watermelon as I possibly want. There's to. no consequences to that. Right, right. <laughs> Except that you have to pee a lot, but like, right. aside yeah. from that, like you're eating as a nutritional, you know, girl that yeah. <laughs> studied this, like you're eating half of a huge watermelon as a meal. And how do you feel after that? How are you feeling? Do you ever worry about not combining? Like we've said, like, do you, do you worry about it ever? Hey, before we get too far into this episode, I want to give you some holistic happenings. I want to tell you what's going on right now in the clean beauty space and also over in the wellness space uh, and working with me. So I first off want to let you know that Beauty Counter has launched their holiday set. So if you are in the market for clean cosmetics and you want to switch over your makeup bag and find some really high performing pieces of makeup that are going to make you look pulled together, give you a flawless look and reduce your toxins at the same time. You definitely want to run, not walk over to mybetterbeauty.com to snag those. If you are brand new, use code clean for all 20 at my website, again, at mybetterbeauty.com and you will be able to get 20% off of your first order. Now the Bundles for holiday are only available for a very limited time, so they do sell out. If you want to get them, get them now so that you can have your gifts uh, for giving and also have some things for yourself. You can break these uh, gift sets apart and keep what you want and give away what you don't. For instance, the mini lip gloss ball. I am obsessed with the pearl shimmer. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see it's just a translucent, beautiful lip, lip gloss that's made with Madagascar vanilla and super high performing. I have a few colors from the vault that I love and a few colors that I'm going to give away. So uh, great for holiday gifting. If you have teens in your life or a mom that you want to gift to, go grab some holiday sets. Second, still in the clean beauty space, this is the waterless beauty skincare that I've been absolutely loving lately. Oliveda is available now. And guess what? If you have not tried Oliveda yet, I wanted to give you a tip on how to save the most money on waterless skincare. Now, as a reminder, waterless skincare means basically that this skincare is not based on water. It is highly effective and anti-inflammatory with the beautiful olive leaf or olive leaf cell elixir. It has been really helping smooth my complexion out, give me a glowing look, and again, reduce any inflammation that I might have on my skin and internally because I've been taking the internals as well. I'll talk more about the internals soon, uh, but just know that I've been drinking tea. I have been taking some tinctures and it has been really helping my skin from within. And you can absolutely search the website for the inside products that's underneath the inside section on the Olive Tree People website that you can shop below at the link. But I wanted to tell you how to save the most money on the waterless skincare right now. If that is something that you want to try out, just hit the Olive Brain quiz and you will be able to take the quiz that is curated just for you to give you results so that you can level up your beauty from the inside out and outside in. And if you purchase two of the recommendations from the Olive Brain Quiz, you will get a free either eye elixir or eye cream, depending on what the quiz results think, thinks you need the most. So that's a great ongoing deal that you can always take advantage of. And I wanted to make sure to tell you that because Olive has a lot of 
specials that they run, but that is always going and you can always stack it with the specials, which is so fun. So grab waterless skincare if you haven't tried it yet. I have been completely loving the shampoo as well. It has really clarified my hair and gives it a nice, beautiful shine. And I have barely even have to use any conditioner at all. It's amazing. Okay, and then last but not least, I wanted to make sure you know that the doors are open to work with me. We have Holistic Wellness Society, which is my monthly membership that you can join and have plant-based education, um, learn about longevity, reducing your toxins, doing some homemaking stuff, and mind-body connection, and more. I will teach you how to sprout and learn about gardening all the way to nutrition and batch cooking and everything in between and mindset and habits. It's an amazing, amazing um, society and membership that you can come and join. We have weekly live calls and you're going to access hours upon hours upon hours of previously recorded trainings that are going to unlock holistic wellness and really help you level up and take your health back for good. Now, if you're not willing to or want to work in a group setting or uh, don't want to join Holistic Wellness Society, or maybe you do and you want to do both, you can also and or work with me. You can do the society or work with me, or do both. It's totally up to you. If you're a member of HWS, you can have 50% off one-on-one -on -one sessions. But if you need help, if you need one-on-one -on -one support, click down below and schedule a 15-minute free wellness chat with me. I would love to help guide you along your health and wellness journey so that you can get unstuck and create the habits and the mindset that you truly want, learn how to eat well, clean up your diet, and clean up your life so that you can truly thrive and not just survive. I help clients all the time break free from processed food addiction and shift their mindset to understand that they truly can create the life that they want. They just have to prioritize their wellness first. And it's sometimes difficult to do that, right? So we're going to navigate that together. Click down below. I have all the resources below to shop Better Beauty, to shop Waterless Beauty, to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, to jump into Holistic Wellness Society. Look, you're here for a reason. This is not just you know, another podcast. This is a place for you to learn about how to change your life. So click down below. Let's start working together. And now back to Taylor. I don't, yeah. uh, I kind of, I, I, like you said, intuitive eating, like, I'm like, okay, today I feel like a watermelon for lunch. Uh, right. Today, I, you know, maybe if I had a hard workout, it's like, you know what, I want a smoothie with six bananas in it. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I do kind of listen to my body and I feel when I listen to what sounds good, it's so satisfying. And I finished that meal and I'm like, that was great. And I'm ready to get on to the next thing in my day. <laughs> and you have the energy to work out and you have the energy, yeah. like the hydration too. That's what I think. And like people are really missing from fruits. Like they're so packed with hydration. Um, what, what are some of the fruits that you suggest people get on? Like when you're working with people, like, are there specific fruits that you suggest people start with um, when it comes to just kind of uh, transitioning into a more high, like higher carbohydrate meal plan? Yeah. So I, you know, I always think bananas are the top yeah. one. Um, you know, they, I mean, they get a bad rap if you're not, a, you know, big into fruit because of the sugar thing. Um, but they really don't contain that much sugar. They're like 76% water. I believe I might be a little off on that percentage, but it's like around there. Yeah. Um, and one gram of bananas contains 85.3 grams of amino acids. And that's according to the USDA in 2008. So there are a lot of amino acids in bananas, which is also why bananas are like one of the best fruits. If you are active or you're an athlete and you work out, 
um, because of how high they are in amino acids. And so that is one of the first fruits that I try to get people to not be afraid of and like, okay, just, you know, lay into the bananas, have more, have more plus because they're really filling. So if you're not used to eating a lot of fruits and you do want to do a fruit meal and you want something that is going to fill you up because if you're used to like a higher fat meal, that doesn't necessarily fill you up if you're looking at caloric density. Um, but it makes your stomach feel heavy, which we confuse that heavy Uh feeling for being full. Um, but if you're going to do bananas, those do really help satiate hunger and fill you up. Not that fruit, other fruits don't, but if you're like just transitioning, I do think Mm -hmm. bananas are, are superior in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Gram for gram, I'm sure they're higher in caloric density too. Yes. Um, yeah. Compared to other fruits. Yeah. Versus, yeah, the juicier fruits like grapes and melons and stuff like that. Okay. I'm sorry. I got a little bit derailed there. Is there no anything worries. else that you want to say about protein? Like that people are missing that, um, I don't know, maybe they're, they're sleeping on and like, well, I mean, what, how much do we need a day? Let's go there. So the CDC, you know, and you can take their recommendation with a grain of salt, um, but they recommend 46 grams a day per woman, um, give or take, you know, depending on activity level. And then they recommend 56 grams a day per um, for men. And that's really not a high number. And even if you take that number and you, you say, okay, well, you know, I am active. I, you know, do some type of workout every day. Okay. So if you want to increase that by 10, 20 more grams, that's fine. Okay. That puts you at 66 grams. If you're a woman. That's not hard to reach. It's really not hard to reach. Like, I mean, sometimes I'll have clients calculate their protein for a week or two just to to see to kind of ease their mind. Every now and then I do it just for fun because I'm like, oh, I wonder what this was today. And I usually get anywhere, you know, on a lower day, it might be like 50 grams um, if I'm doing more of a day where it really was all fruit. Like if I decide, oh, I just want fruit for dinner tonight and I'm not doing as many leafy greens or something. Um, But anywhere from 50 and on a higher end, I could be getting 84, 85 grams um, on a higher day. So it's really, you can get enough. And, you know, if you're still performing and feeling good, and when I mean performing, performing in the gym or whatever your activity is, Mm -hmm. um, that should just be a tell sign that you're getting enough protein. And again, our muscles really, again, they need amino acids, but they also very much need glucose. That is super important for muscle recovery and allowing our muscles to get stronger um, and the best source of glucose is from fruit. Yeah. The easiest way to get it into the yes. bloodstream and like just straight in the cells, unless you're yes. drinking juice, that's actually faster, right? Yes. That's yes. the even faster method. Um, yeah. Okay. So what do you think about people who are eating more than that in terms of protein? Yeah. So you can do some more, but there is also evidence. Um, there was a study that was done. I forget what year it was um, that found that more protein does not mean better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they measured, they, they gave the participants protein. It was in the form of amino acids. It's a little complex how they did it, but basically they gave them protein and then they had them perform a task, um, you know, like a basically like bicep curls or something. And they, they wanted to see, you know, if, if muscle synthesis continued to get stronger and stronger, the more protein that they were given. Um, and what they found is eventually it just plateaued. They kept increasing the protein, but you didn't get any stronger. And so more protein does not necessarily mean better. And also our bodies don't have an efficient way to store any extra protein in our diet. It will start storing it as body fat um, yeah. versus if we're eating 
extra carbs in the form of fruits, vegetables, um, that gets converted to glycogen and is stored in the liver for an emergency or if we need it. And it's good to have glycogen storage. It's like your reserve tank. Um, You want to have a reserve tank, but with protein, because it's not our body's preferred fuel source, if we have any extra, it's just like, okay, we'll store it as body fat. We don't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So when you're, when you're helping your clients, um, are they transitioning from the standard American diet to uh, this way of eating? Um, Or are you helping people that are already really kind of eating plant-based and they're just like lost or is it kind of the gamut? It's yeah, it's kind of a bit of both. It really just depends on the person. Um, Most, I will say most of the people that I see have like have some notion of like healthy eating. They're not totally Mm -hmm. all into the standard American diet. I would say they have standard American diet tendencies in their diet still, Um, But that for the most part, they have some level of awareness. So it's not like totally foreign. Granted, you know, they're still learning, but it is a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. And how do you advise them to start? Are you advising people to go kind of more toward the raw? I mean, you said, you know, to introduce, you know, bananas and stuff like that. But um, do you think do you think that there's an edge to eating more raw versus uh, more cooked whole whole plant foods or is it kind of to each their own? You know, I do find, obviously I think across the board, most people fare better with like 75% of their diet raw, you know? Um, And then I think that other little bit is kind of, you know, person to person. Do you want a little bit more cooked? Do you want a little bit more raw? I also think the seasons play a huge role into that depending on where you live. Um, You know, we're approaching fall and I've already had clients tell me that like, you know what, I'm starting to crave potatoes for dinner again. And they'd been doing raw all day the whole summer. Um, So I think season plays a huge, huge role. And then I do, I think person to person. Um, And I never even dreamed of being high raw or a hundred percent raw. I just kind of found myself gravitating towards that without even really trying. And so I don't, I don't totally label it that way for clients or push them in that direction. It's just like, okay, we're going to make this swap. Um, And what I find is most of them end up gravitating more towards the raw foods because they just notice that they do feel better. Um, And, um, you know, I mean, I'm personally, I would say like I'm 90% raw um, and, you know, in the summer a little bit higher than that, just because it's nice, but I do, I, I love some steamed potatoes and even roasted potatoes sometimes. So yeah, they're so good. I, uh, yeah, I eat a lot of potatoes. I actually really, really love potatoes. I love potatoes and I love sweet (laughs) potatoes. I love all varieties of sweet potatoes. We go through great lengths to get all the colors. Um, Amazing. And yeah, like we order from Hawaii to get those dang Okinawan sweet potatoes that are so good. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because we're here in Indiana and like can't guarantee that the international grocery store is going to have good quality ones. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, so kind of a sweet potato snob over here. It's fine. It's fine. They make me really full compared to bananas. And yeah, for me, just personally, I, I, I want to talk about food a little bit more now. Like mm-hmm. we're going to talk about food and flavors to get people excited about this lifestyle. Um, for me personally, if I'm going to be going more toward a banana route or like a banana meal. Yeah. I really love nice cream. Um, smoothies don't fit in my lifestyle. That's fine. They yeah. fit in my husband's lifestyle, my son's lifestyle. But with my past, like milkshake, uh, soft serve, like addiction, <laughs> you could really call it that. Um, seriously, smoothies and milkshakes, like they just don't go well because I will I will finish it in two seconds. Like I have no 
I have no uh, control when it comes to smoothies. (laughs) I give clients recipes for smoothies as you're sipping your, oh, you're sipping your, same with juice. I really don't have good control on that. Um, I really don't. My husband and son do. I don't. If you give me a thing of watermelon juice, it will be gone. Like I'll, I'll intend to like take it, you know, on errands, but like it will be gone by the time we're out of the drive or like the, the neighborhood. Truly. It's just, (laughs) I just, I don't, I have a filter there. Um, when it comes to things coming through a straw. So for me with bananas, um, I will typically find, I, I like them and I think that I better assimilate them when they're more spotty, but the prebiotic rich, less ripe ones, not particularly green, but just, you know, solid yellow, not a lot of spots, right. Frozen made into nice cream. That's how I can like really enjoy a meal of bananas. Like it might even be eight bananas and I'll be like really happy, but, um, you know, that's one thing that I think that people should know when it comes to bananas. I mean, the brown spotty ones are higher in antioxidants, right? Um, but for your gut, the less ripe ones have tons of prebiotics. So, um, benefits. You do want to make sure that they're ripe. Like I know some people will eat green bananas. Your body can digest underripe fruit. (laughs) For sure. Uh, but yeah, ripe, ripe versus really ripe yellow versus brown and spotty. Um, and then, yeah, that was my little tip there, but do you eat a lot of salads? Are you a salad girl? You're just kind of like, kind of, it's funny. Yeah. I mean, not some dinner. I don't usually mono. Um, but usually if I do a salad, I'll do it for dinner. Um, but it's funny. Someone else just asked me like, you haven't been making your salads recently. And I'm like, I haven't last summer from like July through September, I made the same salad for dinner, probably 90% of nights. Like I was on the same thing. And I blended like young coconut meat with lime juice. And that was my dressing. Like I was just like, I could eat this forever. And maybe I just ate it too much last summer that this summer I was like, totally oh, I, happens I'm to me. craving it. Yeah. Um, but I, I kind of go through phases with salads. I really do. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so if you were to suggest to somebody to create a large salad a day, like yeah. if that was a goal for them, uh, which I think is a sound and a sage advice from anybody in the nutrition space, I think a lot of us in the nutrition space, no matter what diet we're promoting would be a really big salad. Like Dr. Furman says, like that's good sage advice. Like, uh, you know, for that even has a variety of, uh, stuff in there. What yeah. would you, what would you say a good one is like, what's yeah, a good so Taylor salad for me, for a base, I always use maybe four or six cups of romaine and or butter lettuce, um, mm-hmm. I, maybe I'll mix in a bit of arugula or spinach or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely just prefer the simple lettuces, which actually contain a good amount of protein, believe it or not. Um, not that the dark leafy greens don't as well, but, but lettuces are just as healthy as the dark leafy greens. And sometimes we oh, don't yeah. think that because they're, they're not that dark, dark green, um, mm-hmm. dark leafy greens have their own strengths as well. Doesn't, you know, not saying don't eat them, but for me, if I'm going to make a salad, I do, I want the crisp lettuce, the romaine and the butter lettuce. And yeah. again, I'll put in a little bit of other, you know, leafy green if I'm feeling it. Um, And then especially right now, I love tomatoes, like room temperature tomatoes have been my addiction. So I put a ton of tomatoes on my salad always. Um, I like spicy things. So I'll usually chop up a jalapeno and put that on there. I'll do cucumbers, sprouts. 
Um, and I really love mango with a salad. And so mm-hmm. um, it's mangoes in season, which we're on the tail end, but right now it's Kent mango season, which is mm-hmm. great. So I'll do that in salad, a salad. And then, yeah, like some type of dressing, which my favorite is like young coconut meat blended with lime juice. Yummy. I have yet to do that. We love, we love our coconut. We buy our coconuts by the case. It's amazing. You probably do too. Do you I not? do. Yeah. At yeah. the international market. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, is that running you like $27, $30 like us over here in Indiana? Um, so they were $20 for the box, which was nine coconuts, nine. which was not yeah. bad, but they actually in the like they've increased the last couple of times I've gone and they're $22 now. But ah. yeah. Ah. Stupid. It's stupid expensive. We will go through them very quickly. It's yeah. Yeah. Multiple. But once you have those ones, you can't buy the bottle. You cannot. Compare. So not the same. Um, I wanted to inspire that. I wanted, I just wanted to ask you about some flavors because I wanted to inspire people to get motivated to eat more whole plant foods, because this is so important to their gut microbiome, especially like Taylor and I both have our own past with food. I think that if you're struggling with any form of food addiction, food behavior, food eating disorder, um, eating or disordered patterns, you should look into the freedom of eating whole plant foods. And really fruit and raw foods give you even more freedom, I feel, um, to feel so good and to be able to eat an abundant amount of food um, as you're transitioning to a healthy lifestyle. Um, so I wanted to really motivate people here so that they can hear this message. Do you have any more um, last minute thoughts before we start to wrap up about protein that we haven't talked about or any fun facts or anything like that? And it's okay if you don't, but. Yeah, you know, I I thought I'd I'd address some points about pro-protein research that get people kind of like, you know, thinking that, oh, maybe I should really be eating more protein because the the pro-protein research research can be very convincing, Um, but there's a lot of flaws in it. So I think I might touch on some of those flaws. um, So you kind of know what to look out for. Um, So pretty much all pro-protein studies, um, they're usually very short. They follow their participants for a few days or weeks, never really longer than a year. Um, I just saw some recent study that was related to protein came out. It lasted six months which isn't terrible, but again, you want something that is longer than a year. And a lot of plant-based studies are conducted longer than a year. Um, And so they don't really know any long-term effects of eating a high protein diet. And a lot of these studies will then use what's called biomarkers instead of credible health health outcomes. Mm. An example of a biomarker would be just looking at blood pressure or looking at LDL cholesterol. Um, These are inexpensive and easy things to measure in a study. Um, And you can look at many biomarkers and just pick the only one that shows improvement. Like if you're looking at people and it's like, well, everything looks the same or everything looks worse, but oh, look at their A1C looks better. So let's just say that high protein helps A1C. Right. Uh, And so, you know, they never really take into account vitality and quality of life when doing pro protein studies. And those are very important factors. um, And a lot of plant-based studies do take that into account. Um, Pro protein studies, they also use pretty small sample sizes of just a few people, which is hardly reflective of a large population. Um, Like there's a meta-analysis of a high carb diet and it had 270,000 people. So that's over a quarter million people. So that's a huge sample size. Um, So you want something really large like that. Um, And then other studies, 
um, they won't use people. They'll take data from animal research or do test tube experiments. And and many animals, not all of them, but many have very different digestive processes than us. And and therefore they can tolerate totally different different, um, diets. And even there is a doctor, and I cannot think of her name right now, but I just watched an interview and she even said, Animal studies are really pointless because we are not animals. And maybe, you know, you can see if something's safe in an animal and then decide you want to do it in humans. But any effect that happens to an animal, you really can't say that that's what's going to happen in humans. We are just too, too different. Um, Humans are are very complex. Um, So if a pro-protein study was only conducted on animals or in a test tube, you really don't want to listen to whatever that (laughs) evidence was. Um, and then the last thing is there's something called publication bias, which means that certain findings are much more likely to get published than others. And the food industry can afford to get their information out a lot louder than honest nutritional scientists who scientists who are just working hard in their labs wanting to prove that bananas help build muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you got to keep that in mind. Um, like even with like Coca-Cola, like the amount that they spend on studies a year, oh, God. Um, I mean, it's, it's unreal. And just look at like the recent food pyramid that had come out where it put like um, lucky charms or I don't know what it was. Oh, but it was yeah. Yeah. That was ridiculous. And that was funded by, you know, a major food corporation. So a lot of pro protein studies are funded by corporations. So, you know, you need to be aware of that. And even with plant-based studies, you know, I, I won't be biased here, but some of them, you know, like if we're looking at like beyond meat and things like that, those are big corporations too. So if there's a study saying like, Oh, plant-based like meat replacement, impossible burger is healthy for such and such reasons. Like even take that with a grain of salt, like just because sure it's plant-based, but they're also a big corporation. Um, And so a lot of times these smaller studies that are proving something as simple as, Hey, if you eat enough fruits and vegetables, your body can make essential amino acids. Those are very, very hard to get published. So that's why there's, there's not as many out there. You really got to do your digging to find those. So. Yeah, that's <laughs> those are good. That's good to bring up. Um, and there's not a lot of money in broccoli, like Dr. Okay. Greger says, yeah. in big broccoli. There's just, <laughs> and as vegetable farmers ourselves, believe me, there's not, yeah. there's not a lot of backing. There's not a lot of support for organic produce farmers. Um, it's really hard to get any sort of support at all from yeah. the government um, to do what we do, which is grow healing foods. And the rest of the money goes into subsidies or all the money goes into subsidies, um, to grow crops, to feed the animals that we don't need to be putting on our plate. So, um, Taylor, thank you for your insight and your wisdom. And I had a few few people message me. They're like, Oh, I can't wait to hear this one because people (laughs) have been, you know, social media is so confusing. Um, there is like so much emphasis on protein and there probably all always will be because there's so much money in it um, in terms of supplementation and um, just, again, subsidized food business um, that it's just, they're going to find anything that they can to create hype around protein. And remember guys, there's protein in every single food on earth every plant has yes and our bodies know what to do with it um i'm pretty mind blown about us creating our own essential amino acids yeah that's pretty crazy i don't think i've heard about that one yet so that just blew my mind um 
Now, Taylor, how do people find you and how can we stay connected? Yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram. My handle is at TD underscore nutrition. Um, that's pretty much where I'm most active. I do have a YouTube channel, but I only have a couple of videos posted on there. But if you want to subscribe, you can. There will be content to come. Um, and if you want, you can join my free private community, which the link for that is in my Instagram bio. And there um, is just a bunch of people who are clients and not clients, just bouncing ideas off each other. And um, once a month, we do a monthly Q&A call um, with Love that. It. So, yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And I always ask this to everybody. Um, and I can't believe I almost forgot. <laughs> Taylor, what does holistic living mean to you? Oh, that is a good question. Um, well, holistic living means being as in tune with the natural rhythms of your body as you can, um, mm -hmm. letting your body do what it, it was designed to do. So much of life today goes against what our body is designed. And to me, holistic living is just letting your body be. Oh, that's beautiful. That's Thank a good you. one. Thank you. <laughs> I know that that caught you off guard, but I asked that to everybody. I asked that. I know it's such a big question. <laughs> it is. And it means something different to everyone. So that was really beautiful. Thank you so much again for sharing your insight and your wisdom. And um, you guys all have her handle linked down below so that you can follow Taylor. She is a gem. So thank you well, so much for having again. me. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> all right. Be well.